This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c We cannot teach our children anything when they are upset. We can validate and be there for them. But then when they're calm is when we're going to teach the whys, because that's when it's going to start to register more and more. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Pete's Doc Talk podcast, a podcast that continues to grow because of you and your reviews and ratings. So thank you for tuning in and being here today. On this episode of Monday Mornings with Dr. Mona, I welcome Gina, who has a 21-month-old son named Nolan, and he used to be an amazing sleeper. And now bedtime is a battle, and she is wondering what she can do about it. Hey, Gina. Welcome to the podcast. So tell me, what is on your mind today as a mom? Thank you so much for having me. Sleep. My son went from being an amazing sleeper to having some recent challenges With nap times and also the bedtime routine has become a bit of a disaster. And your son is 21 months old, correct? Yes, he is. When do you think it's all started where you started to see, let's just use the word regression, that things were kind of going astray from what he was normally doing? Sure. So the terrible timing, of course, it all happened after I left for a work trip and I was gone for a couple of nights. I think it was just coincidence, but it started a couple weeks ago where he just used to be a 15 minute, he was down for bed. And now it's taking us about an hour to go down. And it all started after I was out of town. Did it affect his naps as well, where you are not getting him to nap? Or what was his naps like? So the naps, it he goes to a Montessori school, and he naps great at school. They follow the same routine. On the weekends, it kind of coincided with that where he didn't want to go down for his naps anymore which previously hadn't been an issue, you know, so it's kind of this conundrum of he naps great at school, but not great at home. And we've really struggled to reconcile, you know, what the differences are between the two, particularly because previously he used to nap great at home, you know, everything was consistent, and then it became inconsistent. And you're bringing up a very common thing that I think parents sometimes forget. And just to backtrack, your child was a pretty decent sleeper, meaning was he sleeping through the night, meaning no wake-ups before all this, or was he still waking up in the middle of the night? What was his sleep patterns before you left for your trip? Yeah, before I left for my trip, he was a 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. sleeper, Okay, very consistently with no wake-ups in the middle of the night. And then naps were, he's been at once a day for a nap for quite, you know, several months. And he would go down around one o'clock and sleep till about three. And that was also very consistent. And you are describing, yes, a very typical schedule for a 21-month-old. And I'm going to kind of talk about some of the reasons why this may happen. So 
you said that you went on a work trip. Yes, it could be coincidence. I agree with that. But children at this age, um, especially, you know, 21 months, he's approaching two years. After 18 months, when we see these toddler sleep regressions, a lot of it can happen because of developmental changes, right? So maybe there's some language explosion or obviously he's probably walking already, correct? Yes. Yeah. Language explosion, cognitive development, you know, understanding of my mommy and, you know, my daddy are not here. Um, what's going on? You know, they left and they're coming back. Are they going to come back? There's that sort of understanding of more cognitive awareness of where they leave and then they, you know, they're not here anymore. And then also change in routine, change in environment. So you're leaving for that work trip could have been a change in routine that kind of threw him off just for a little bit. And then we'll get into more of like what you kind of have been doing. And then the last thing that I commonly see at this age is FOMO. Okay. So fear of missing out, you know, children, we don't account for that as much as we should that toddlers, especially a lot of the reason why they do not like to sleep anymore is again, that cognitive awareness that wait, other people are doing things. My humans, my adults, you know, like they're doing other things right now. Like what's going on? Like, I don't want to be sleeping. Like I want to be with my mom. And a lot of the reason why you could see this at home and not at the school is because he knows that you're at home, right? And he knows that, oh, mommy and daddy are home and this is amazing and I want to spend time with them. I don't want to sleep when we know that sleep is important. And that's what I commonly see that when parents report that the school has said that everything is pretty decent and awesome and then at home it's like no naps or naps are okay, but nighttime is a struggle because at school it sounds like they are able to put him down without any issue, right? Correct. It's that group mentality, I think, too, of he's around so many other little kids and everyone else is going to bed. So I might as well join the crowd. Yeah, it kind of goes in line with that FOMO thing that I'm talking about, that when other people are sleeping, too, then they're like, oh, well, this is not I'm not missing out on anything. Right. But if you're putting him into the crib and he's having to go to bed now and he's like, wait, you all are leaving like no one else is sleeping in here with me, you know, so we'll get into that. So what have you tried so far, if anything, um, to kind of remedy or kind of get him back onto that sleep regimen? Yeah, so we've tried to be consistent with his routine. And he's been on the same basic sleep routine since he was about three months old of bath time, pajamas, books, bed. And so through any sleep regressions, we've always stuck to the routine. So trying to not deviate too far from that. Um, My husband and I have talked about, you know, do we need to adjust his bedtime? Because you know, the 8 p.m. had been working really well, but he'd been going to bed so quickly. But, you know, the concern is now that he's like staying up almost till nine o'clock, it seems quite late for him. And so do we need to change his bedtime? So that's something that we just implemented was trying to shift to an earlier bedtime to account for the taking longer for him to go to sleep. And I started doing a checklist too where we check off at every activity so that he kind of knows what's happening okay. and making sure that he's informed. And, you know, usually he wants to eat the marker, but yeah. can, I'm hoping that the consistency will kind of develop that stepwise approach for him. Yeah. I think, um, so you were putting him to bed at nine o'clock, correct? Well, we start the bedtime routine at like seven thirty, but by the time we actually are yes. out of the room and he's asleep, yeah, we're hitting nine o'clock. Yeah, I think it does make sense to shorten or move up the routine so that he is in his crib by 8 p.m. at the latest. I think that's absolutely going to be beneficial. And then especially the days that he's home with you, that he does nap refuse um, on the weekends or if he's not at school, 
absolutely considering moving it up even more, like meaning not even eight o'clock crib time, but even like 7.30 or 7.15 to account for the lack of a nap that he didn't get, you know, obviously at the home, the days that he's home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that consistency is going to be vital with sleep in general. I think you already kind of understand that aspect is that the consistency and routine sounds like you're already doing the routine consistency with the checklist and it shows a visual control for the child. Um, you know, as he gets older, he may even want to check it off himself. I'm sure he's not doing that at 21 months. Is he doing that yet? He's just writing on the um, thing. Yeah. But I, yeah, not the actual act. (laughs) Yeah. More cognitively, I would imagine that, uh, maybe a two and a half year old may be more able to kind of like check it off and actually understand, you know, 21 months is still in an age where it is more cause and effect as more so than, okay, we're going to do this and you're going to check this off, like more of that control. But you may start to see that as, you know, he approaches two years. But yes, that consistency is going to be key. Now, tell me what happens when you leave the room or what's that sort of routine when he starts to get upset or when he is realizing that y'all are now going to leave? What's happening then? That's when blood curling screams come in. Yeah. He shifted from before when we put him in his crib, even if he was still awake, he would talk to himself. He would sing to himself. He would just have a very good time by himself and then fall asleep. Now, when we put him in his crib, it is screaming nonstop. Then it's up. I want up. I want up Mm -hmm. and just wailing, you know, and he's heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's heartbreaking because of course, one, I mean, no one wants to hear their child scream. And obviously it's a feeling of, you know, just like, am I doing the right thing? Like what worries you or frustrates you most in that moment when he's screaming? Like, what does that trigger in you? Or what does that tell you? Or what does that make you feel? Because that is something that I want to make sure I understand before we can proceed. Yeah. I mean, it's typically reacted to his like crying or screaming because he doesn't do it all that often, you know? And so anytime that he's like verbalizing, like the screaming, screaming and crying, excuse me, is I feel the need to go in and react to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my concern of course is, am I making it worse in the long run or is, you know, it's really tough. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, absolutely. And I respect you for telling me that because that's important for, again, for us to understand that it is not easy to hear your child scream, cry. I mean, I don't, whether it's with sleep, whether it's with tantrums, whatever it is, it's not easy. You know, I talk about not fearing the tears. And what I mean by that, it doesn't mean that we are okay with the crying. I mean, it doesn't mean that it makes us feel good as a parent. It doesn't make us feel like, oh yeah, go ahead and cry. It means that we're not fearing it, that we know that we're not going to do something harmful by allowing him to cry. Now, the method of what you do with that will depend on your parenting philosophy and whatnot. But when he does cry, do you wait a certain amount of time before you go in? Are you picking him up? Are you in the room? What's the kind of setup there with the um, crying? Yeah. So in general, we try to wait, you know, give it a certain amount of time and it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. let's give it five minutes, like put him in his crib, give him five minutes. And, you know, we've tried to do it just from the door to say like, go back to bed. It's okay. Yeah. He seems to be a little bit more responsive to that approach with my husband. And then with me, like, there's no effect on it, right? He just mm-hmm. is like, I know that if I keep doing this, she'll come in and pick me up. And yeah, so we've went in and picked him up, you know, kind of at the pre, I don't want to say preset intervals, but like somewhat regular intervals. So, yeah. you know, it's not put him down and then run back out and then run back in and pick him up. It's 
all right, I'm going to put you in and we're going to give it five minutes. Okay, we're going to give it 10 minutes. And, you know, hoping that he'll kind of resolve it on his own. Right. But it doesn't seem to be working that way. And, like, that's what we did, you know, when he was a yearish or something. You know, it's if we gave him some time to kind of fix it himself, he typically did. But it doesn't seem like that's working anymore. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just 2 minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And that can change as they get older, for sure. I mean, I, I relate to that too. My son Ryan like was actually a pretty decent infant sleeper with some, you know, training that we had to do, but not major, like some sleep training. But then the toddler years when he had his regressions, the screams, obviously the screaming and crying feels worse because they're louder. Mm-hmm. And obviously then they can start to say, mama, come, mama, come, like, you know, like come back. And it's painful to hear. But I also understand that there is importance in consistency. So one thing that I will say is that it's important to kind of figure out with your partner, what is it that you both want to do together? Because yes, he understands that if one parent comes in more readily, then there's no consistency in the action of the caregivers, right? So we Mm -hmm. have to decide the boundary as a team. So I'm going to give an example. We're going to give him five minutes. But before that, It is important to prep the brain, right? So when you are going to bed, make sure you nap time and bedtime, say goodbye to toys, tuck them in, like do a whole routine very quickly that makes him so that he's not having that FOMO aspect that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. where he is going to say, okay, let's say goodnight to our trucks. Good night, truck. 
good night, whatever his favorite toys are, right? Good night, truck. Good night, da da da. Good night, if you have a pet. You do a whole little bye bye good night routine before you all go upstairs and do your other bedtime routine so that he's understanding that this is a change in my normal day or my morning to nap time, as an example. And we are now going to a different time. We are going to bedtime. Good night. And also verbalizing with him hey, do you know why we go to rest? We rest so that we can wake up and our bodies can feel rested and we can play. And I want you to continue to incorporate that in the routine also where you are priming his brain to understand that we are changing to go to bed, meaning now we're closing down the TV, whatever y'all were doing. So no more. And now we're going to go to bed. And so good night, everybody. Good night. And then we're also going to talk to him and say, we are going to bed because bed is for resting and we're going to feel rested this is not going to be an overnight thing that you do that. And then tomorrow he's not, or that night he's going to be like sleeping through the night, but that priming helps them understand that here's an expectation that my parents are telling me that it's bedtime. So now here's my expectation that the parents are telling me now it's our job to hold through with the boundary that we're going to create. So if you say to your child, okay, we're going to go to bed. It's bedtime. Nolan, I love you. I'm going to put you in your crib and you are going to go night, night. Mommy, no, mommy, no. I'm giving an example. (laughs) I love you, sweetheart, so much. And notice that my voice is not getting risen. It's not getting like frustrated. It's not getting like anything more than matter of fact. I love you so much, Nolan. And I see that you really want mommy and I'm going, you're going to rest. And if you need me, I'm going to come back in 10 minutes. They don't understand what 10 minutes is as 21 months, okay? But it helps give a frame of reference for you that you are setting a boundary and you are now going to follow through with that boundary. So you are going to leave. You're going to set a timer truly on your watch because 10 minutes feels like an hour when your kid's crying. (laughs) And then after 10 minutes, you or dad, whoever's going to go in, decide who's going to be the one that night, is going to go in. And I actually encourage you not to pick him up, but to talk to him while he's crying in the safe space of a crib. My philosophy is that when we pick them up out of the crib when they're crying versus just standing next to them, you can even kneel down and get down to their level and rub his back and talk him through, like de-escalate. When we pick him up, we're reinforcing that this is something that's not safe for you. I get it. But you are still allowing your presence by physically getting in that room with him, right? Because you are. I agree. I don't believe in complete shut the door at this age because they do have true separation anxiety. Like it's really hard to just say, okay, good night. I'll see you in the morning. Right. Um, you can't do that at this age in my opinion. So you're going to go in, but don't lift him up. And that is very hard to do when they're crying in your face. And I've been there. Okay. But what you're doing here is you are going to like kneel down if you need to, so that your eye level, because getting down to their level makes them also feel that they're heard, makes them feel that they're not like being talked down to. And you are going to just crouch down and say, I see you. I see that you want mommy, but it is bedtime. You are going to rest. You are going to rest because it's important so that we can go and play tomorrow. And then I want you to bring back like the things that you said goodnight to. Remember we said goodnight to our truck. Do you want to play with your truck in the morning? Yes, mama truck. I know that you want to play with the truck and you are going to talk to him. He may not completely calm down in that moment, but I want you to give him one to two minutes of your time that you are connecting and that you are saying, I love you, sweetie. And then again, you're not picking him up. You are going to repeat. I love you. I'm going to be back in 15 minutes if you need me. And that is the fervor way to do it in the toddler years, right? Because they are going to look at you for connection and understanding and that you're like not like leaving them completely, but I wouldn't pick them up completely. And then the other tip, which is the hardest part is avoiding 
the rise, right? Stay reassuring and calm. Try not to get upset if they're getting upset. You know, you want to make sure that you are respecting their feeling, but that you are following through with what I mentioned earlier of what boundary you and your partner created at the beginning. So if you and your partner stay together, we are going to give him 10 minutes of crying and then we're going to go in. You stick to that, right? Mm -hmm. And the calm follow through is what I really think is vital. When we say, if I have a boundary for my child and if I go in and I'm like, okay, 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 I see it here, come out, let's go to my bed or let's go to your bed and read a book. That is not the boundary that you all set as caregivers. Your boundary was that 10 minutes, we're going to go in, we're going to talk to him and then we're going to leave. That is the consistency that is so vital. And it's not going to take a night. And I want to really reiterate this. It's going to take maybe four nights, five nights, maybe a week, but it's so important to kind of talk to your partner on how do we want to navigate this and who's going to be the one to go in, but it has to be the same MO regardless of the person who's going in, because they also understand the difference, right? Like if you go in and then you are the one who takes him out of the crib versus dad who talked to him crib side, you know, there is going to be a difference there. So we need to create a united front on the approach of what we do when we go into that room with both caregivers. Thanks. That it's, um, there's a lot of helpful information in there for mm-hmm. sure. We say goodnight to, you know, everything on the first floor and then everything on the second floor. And I yeah. think everything under, under the sun in the house, but there's still some language, more language to use, which I think you pointed out great is really getting him to participate in the act and trying to understand it and reinforcing that message. And also the amount of time. So that was going to be one of my questions to you was when we go back in at those, you know, set up checks, how long to stay in there? Because it, I think in my mind, I've been thinking I'll go in and it will deescalate it. But what we find is that oftentimes it doesn't, you know? Right. And, and that's why I want you to create a timer of exactly why I agree that you have to create a timer on how long you're in there for, because the goal of the check-in is not for them to completely calm down. The goal of the check-in is for them to understand that you are there, that you love them, that you appreciate them, that you recognize them, but that, you know, you can't expect the complete calm down at that moment, right? So I would do, like I said, one to two minutes of being in there because then what happens is then if you do five minutes, 10 minutes of being in there, that is gonna just continue to be probably, and I've had this experience where my husband was the one who if he went in, it was like all hell broke loose. Like it was like, you know, and I'm like, we need to keep the check-ins short, consistent, but also verbalizing, right? Also telling him like, you're not just going in there and be like, go to sleep. You're saying, Brian, I see you. Nolan, I see you. I know you really want to come out. I get it. It's you're going to be just fine. I'm going to see you in the morning. And when I see you in the morning, we're going to have a great day. Like, again, you're putting it in their mind that I see you, but, and you're going to be just fine. And that in the morning, we're going to be okay. And I assure you, he's going to be okay in the morning. Like Mm -hmm. I know this from sleep and I know you know that too, but keep it to two minutes, max, max. If you want to do one, that's fine. But one is really short by the time you get in there, but it's fine. If again, don't go more than two. And then going back to time frames for the routine as well, you and your partner have to decide for the bedtime routine, what you're going to do also, right? Because just say he cries, he wants one more book or wants three more books or whatever. Just give me an example. You and your partner are going to say, Hey, we are going to say goodnight to whatever we want to say goodnight to. We're going to go to the bath. We're going to you know, give them the bath. We're going to brush his teeth. And then we are going to read three books. And that is the boundary that we're creating. That is the routine that we're creating. And then from the moment we go in, we give a kiss. And that is when we start that clock for the check-in. Correct? But yes, you are right that when the moment your presence is in there, right? Like if you walk through the door, he may start shrieking louder, right? Because he now you're in there. Mm-hmm. And so then he's going, you know, and 
that is really hard to overcome because you're like, wow, well, I have to pick you up. I'm encouraging you both to do the same thing that, you know, I mentioned earlier that get down to his level. Don't talk from above. Like I have found that when I can kneel down and look eye to eye, oh my gosh, Gina, it hurts hard. I'm, I'm t- I like when I, you know, I'm looking straight in the eyes of a crying child, but when you get down to their level, they feel, again, this is all psychologically, they feel a little more like, okay, my mommy sees me they're crying and they're not going to listen to anything that you say in terms of like, okay, you know, reasoning, you want to validate and say, I see that you're upset. I see that you're upset. I'll be back in 10 minutes, right? Like they're not going to hear, why should you go to sleep at that moment? Because they're crying, right? They're going to understand the why we should sleep more in those calm moments before we went to bed, right? So at that moment in the two minutes of crying, don't try so hard to explain. The explanations may help you so that you feel a little better about it. But try to do more of the, I see you, Nolan. I see that you're upset. I see that you really want mommy to pick you up. I am here for you. I will come back in 15 minutes. Again, they don't understand that, but that's your boundary that helps you keep this in a frame of mind. Um, And then practicing more and more, like you said, um, when you guys are going to bed, while you're walking up the stairs, putting it into his mind of, we're going to rest. Why are we resting? We're resting because it is so good for our bodies and it makes us feel good. And that is when it's calm. Because again, we cannot teach our children anything when they are upset. We can validate and be there for them. But then when they're calm is when we're going to teach the whys because that's when it's going to start to register more and more. Hey, are you loving the show? You're halfway through, so I hope that you are. This is a reminder that if you love the show, appreciate our guests and want to continue to hear amazing conversations to leave those reviews and ratings. Reviews and ratings are how a podcast continues to grow and reach more people. And the more people we reach, the bigger we can get and the more amazing free content we can provide for you. Yes, you may hear some ads like this one, but my goal is to be able to provide free and accessible health, development and parenting content to you via the show. Leave a review and rating and update reviews after you hear a powerful episode. Thank you for tuning in. Becoming a new mom does not come with a manual, but I'm trying to get as close to it as possible. Are you expecting a baby or know somebody who is? Make sure to grab my first year course, The New Mom Survival Guide. The on-demand course contains modules covering parenting in the first year, newborn feeding like breast and formula feeding, newborn sleep and infant sleep, introduction of solids, safety, baby care how-tos, developmental milestones, teething, and so much more. With videos and printables, you will feel supported through the first year. The course also has a roadmap that takes you through what to expect visit by visit so you can feel more confident and calm in the choices that you make and the stages that you'll go through during your baby's first year. By purchasing, you also get access to our Facebook community to troubleshoot issues or concerns. It also makes a great gift that can support a new mom through her motherhood journey. Check out the New Mom Survival Guide by visiting pedsdoctalk.com and searching our popular courses. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. It's, you know, hearing you explain it from, you know, the cognitive point of view, the developmental point of view is so helpful because I think as a parent, like these are things that I didn't get the training on. I don't think most parents had the training on. And of course, so helpful to hear of, you know, the why, like, why are these things happening? And then, you know, how to hopefully overcome them. And that is, you know, my hope of this sort of series and stuff, right, is to kind of teach the whys. And, you know, with sleep, with parenting in general, I understand that there is going to be different beliefs, right? Which is why I ask you, like, what have you all done? And what have you, you know, what methods were you doing? Um, And you incorporate some crying, which I'm okay with. You know, there's some sleep people who are like anti-cry, stay with them the whole time. 
But remember, this is you're connecting with them, right? I think we think that when a child cries or when they um, show dis- like dissent of like, I don't want to do this, that it means that they're being abandoned or that they won't love you. No, like I know from a personal and professional standpoint that they understand they just don't like the new rule. They don't like that you're leaving, which is totally, res- I respect that. I respect that they don't want you to be away from them because they love you, but you also are creating this routine for them that helps them understand with time. And again, sleep is not an overnight thing. I said this before already that I always encourage parents to understand with anything with sleep, with eating and with behavior, we have to give it a couple weeks of the consistent boundary and follow through and avoiding the rise that I mentioned for us to actually see a glimmer of change. And I know you are when you understand that what you're doing is not bad, when you, you're, what you're doing is not going to be harmful for him, what you're doing is not going to be detrimental to him, right? You know, you're going to have a child who wakes up and loves you in the morning. Like I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, whoa, remember that time he cried for like 10 minutes, like shriek cried. And then in the morning he was like, Hey mama, like they, you know, <laughs> and they're going to love you. And, you know, it's also those moments. And I think one of the biggest things that I think that I would change, and I've already mentioned, is the not taking him out. Um, now, if you, there are other methods that you can do, but in this method, you are going to just look him in the eye and, oh, Gina, I know it's going to be hard. Okay. Like, I know I'm not sugarcoating yeah. it at all for everyone listening. Like, it is not easy when your child is screaming or crying in your face, but I know you've probably been there in tantrums. I know you've probably been there in food refusal. Like, they're going to be upset with the rules that we make. Right. But what you're doing is not harmful for him. And, I hope that resonates with you and understands that, you know what? No, we are going to be, me and my partner are going to come up with a plan. We're going to stick to it, both of us. And it is going to be what works best for our family. And if it doesn't work, we'll re, we'll pivot and we'll figure out what we need to do. But yeah, I think you're going to see some changes just with that mindset that going in on how we're going to approach this for sure. Absolutely. And it's, you're really empowering it to, you know, there's a big difference between I scraped my knee tears. <laughs> yes. And those are absolutely like let's go give you some uh, comfort in that versus i don't like rules tears and yes we hear those all day long <laughs> and that is what i'm saying about sleep in this situation right he's not hurt we know that he's not in pain we know that he's not like this is not like nothing is he's fine you checked in on him right he was you can touch his back to make sure there's no fever right like i the check-ins are important for that reason But like you said, exactly that we know that it's, oh, wait, this is a change. This is something that I'm not used to. And so, okay, yeah, I'm going to make it known. But as the parent, we are smart and we understand that, you know what, I got this, like, and really just give your part. Like I, when we go through this, we give each other, me and my partner give each other high fives. Like, you know, we support each other and we say, we got this, like, he's going to be fine. And then we also celebrate Nolan, like when he wakes up and just say he does have a night that he does sleep without major, you know, whatever, Nolan did you rest your body? Like, remember when he's calm, yeah. you rested your body. I am so, you must feel so good. I'm so proud of you. And you know, some people are like, Oh, don't say you're proud. No, I'm really happy that you slept and rested your body. That's really great. You must feel so happy, you know? And even if he woke up and cried for 10 minutes, right? Celebrate the fact that he woke up in the morning, happy and rested. And then he gets it into, again, this is all psychological. Then he gets into his head that, wow, yeah, rest is really awesome. And I don't need my mommy. Like she'll be there in the morning. I don't need my daddy. He'll be there in the morning or whoever is coming in the morning. And you're going to get through this phase. I know you are. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. What would be some, uh, like, I guess some take homes like that maybe you'll kind of implement in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So, you know, the more positive conversations and more just general, more conversations around sleep and why it's so important and, you know, explaining why we're resting. I don't think we've done that. So I'm excited to add that back in. 
And as well as having that guidance of how long to do a check-in, that was definitely a piece of information that was missing, you know, from our tools. And then coming up with a plan, um, which I think we've done, but this will be a little bit more of a concrete plan and uh, making sure that we're all on the same page. And I'm just going to cross my fingers. Yes, I know you're going to see some change now as to how much I'll, you know, you'll have to let me know. But yes, I'm so glad that we could chat about this. This is stuff that, like I said, and you said earlier, it's not just about sleep. It's how we approach just the psychology of children and parenting and why they do these things. So, you know, Gina, thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope that you all get some sleep in the next few weeks. Thank you so much. So Gina and I went over some really important principles when it comes to sleep. And as I end all of these episodes, I want to give you three take-homes that are principles that can be used in many different parenting situations. But I want to explain how it applies to this situation of a 21-month-old who is not sleeping. Number one, you have to decide the boundary and have a calm follow-through. You heard that I talked with Gina about her and her partner having the boundary that they're going to create, meaning are they going to go in after five minutes, 10 minutes? The consistency is very important and the calm follow through is very important. When we get in there and they're crying, it can be really hard and we get confused and we get upset and we get kind of roped into that cycle of tears and frustration. But we want to understand, well, what is our goal here? We are trying to teach independent sleep. We are checking in so that our child knows that we are not going anywhere and that they're safe. And we want to be very consistent and calm with the follow through of the boundary. So if you are dealing with food refusal, sleep regressions, whatever the issue may be, figure out what is the boundary that you want to create and calmly follow through with it without having a rise. Number two, get down to their level and verbalize and empathize with them. So you heard me tell Gina that I encourage her not to lift the child up in this situation, but that connection can happen face to face as we talk to them. You can rub their back, but you want to get down to their level. The reason I like getting down to our child's level is that it makes them understand that we are connecting with them. When we talk to them from above, just say you're standing over them in their crib, it can make them feel kind of scared. Does mommy really understand what I'm feeling? But by getting down to their level by kneeling down, looking them in the eyes, even if they're upset. It can psychologically just help them feel that connection. And then you're going to verbalize and empathize. I see that you really want me to pick you up. Right now, it's time for sleep. I will be back in 10 minutes, like I said, with the boundaries with Gina on the episode. And number three, and of course, we had a lot of things that we talked about, but don't fear the tears. So we tend to get so upset when our children cry rightfully so. As I mentioned, it's human nature. We don't want to hear our child cry. We don't want to have them be upset. But when we're creating new boundaries, sometimes our children will not be okay with a new boundary, but that doesn't mean that they don't love you. So don't fear the tears. In this situation, we are trying to teach with repetition, with consistency, that they are safe, that their crib is a safe space, that they will see mommy or daddy or whoever caregiver is coming in the morning, and that they are going to be fine and get their rest. But it takes consistency and it also takes understanding that they can be upset, but that we will check in, we will verbalize, we will empathize with them, and they will reach the outcome we want, which in this situation is sleeping on their own again. Thank you for tuning in today. As always, if you enjoyed the episode and the new format of Monday Mornings with Dr. Mona, make sure to leave a review or rating whenever you can. Share this episode on your Instagram stories or on your social media so more people can discover this podcast. And I will talk to you next week.
everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.